Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome you to another edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter for your Houston Texans, and absolutely on fire. So excited about heading to Baltimore for this one on Sunday against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, the 7-2 Ravens. Some people think the best team in the NFL. If you look at some of the power rankings, which I do for fodder, I look at a number of them. The Ravens are anywhere from 1 to 3. The Texans are anywhere from like 8 to 12. So we'll see. It's time to get it on. I can't, cannot, cannot wait. Taking off on the bird tomorrow. Gonna get up there. Game's at 1. I'm actually glad it's at 1. I know primetime would be fantastic. We played up there in primetime, which is a pretty cool environment on Monday Night Football last time. But there's just wake up. Go get to the stadium. Before you know it, it's 1 o'clock, and it's time to get it going with Baltimore Ravens. So, looking forward to that. Now, on the show this evening, we are going to have our Deep Slant 101 interview brought to you by Xfinity with DP Sitter this week. It is Jalil Adai. He has done a fantastic job for this team. He kicked off Turnover Fest 2019 in London with that interception of Gardner Minshew in the fourth quarter of the 26-3 win over the Jaguars. Well, Jalil Adai on the show. Got my keys to the game brought to you by First Community Credit Union, so we'll have that later in the show. Mark's going to stop by, so we'll get his thoughts. Is this the biggest regular season game in quite some time? I would say yes. We'll see what Mark says. He's kind of downplayed it all week, but I know he's raging inside like, yes, it is that important this week. We also have got my predictions. I give you them straight up and against the spread. And finally, in our player segment, we've got Player Reporter brought to you by Arctic. This week on B-Scar TV, it is what's the most embarrassing TV show or movie that you've watched? And will you admit it? That was a fun one. We've also got some Texas, Texans player audio jukebox. And we've got the final order with Drew Doherty. And this week it is rookie Titus Howard. So we are jam-packed. I mean jam-packed on this show. So let's get it kicked off the right way with our hot reads. And they're brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Each and every Friday we do this, except last Friday because we were on a bye week. Mark Vandermeer catches up with head coach, your Houston Texans, Bill O'Brien. Coach, here you are playing Baltimore, but you are coming off the bye. So how hard is it to go from zero back to 100 miles per hour at kickoff in Baltimore? Yeah, our, guy, our guys responded really well. You know, we got back from London, which was a good trip, but a long trip. And, um, you know, we brought them in that next day, and then we gave them some time off. And we talked about Monday when you come back, be ready to go. And we've ramped them up during the week. We had a really good Thursday practice, um, you know, really good Friday practice. And, you know, I think our guys have responded really well. we got a Good, good bunch of guys. As you face the Ravens defensively, what are you dealing with up front? What are they like? Yeah, I mean, stout. I mean, um, there are some injuries up there. We'll have to see who lines up there. They just signed Pico, but, you know, whether it's Michael Pierce or – you know, the linebackers, whatever it is. I mean, they've got some, some Judon off the edge. I mean, they've got some stout defenders. Uh, they do a good job. They, they have a good scheme, and it's going to be imperative for us to basically cover them up, you know, not allow penetration, cover them up, get hats on people, and see if we can uh, increase the defense. But it's going to be very difficult. You happy with your running game at this point in the season? You feel like it travels well? Yeah, I do. I think I think uh, I think our running game does travel well. I think Carlos is getting more and more comfortable. Duke's getting more and more comfortable, and then Deshaun. You know, if you can have a game where you know Watson can rush for forty yards, and then maybe Carlos gets 
80, 90, and then Duke gets 60, 70 and catches passes out of the backfield. That's a pretty good running attack. So, you know, that's what we've tried to do. That's been the formula, and hopefully we can continue to do that. Everybody, of course, talks about Lamar Jackson, but then you have Mark Ingram, five yards per carry. All their backs seem to have high yard per carry averages. Very good, very good offense. Greg Roman does a great job. You know, he was in San Fran with Kaepernick in that offense, and then Buffalo with Tyrod Taylor in that offense, and now in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. Very creative guy, and he uses these these big backs. I mean, you know, Mark Ingram might not be the tallest guy in the world, but he's a very, very strong running back. He's a downhill running back, and uh, we have to do a good job of playing, you know, good gap control defense and making sure we tackle the runner. We've got to do a good job of tackling. Is it unique the way they use the tight ends, or do they just like to go to them a lot? I mean, it is unique. You know, they do. They That's a good question. I mean, they do line them up in the backfield. They do some different things with them. I mean, they're not always in a traditional tight end spot. They're very good. Andrews is good. Boyle's good. They do a great job with their tight ends and makes it very difficult on the offense. Special I mean, the defense, excuse me. Special teams, DeAnthony Thomas. You're familiar with him, and he's relatively new to their organization. Yeah, he. They just signed him. Uh, you know, he was in Kansas City, and <clears throat> you know, he played last week. Uh, you know, he's an aggressive returner. He's fast. He's quick. Uh, he's got a lot of confidence in his own ability. So, you know, they they moved on from Cyrus Jones, and now he's. It looks like he's the returner. They've also got. Uh, Chris Moore back there, number 10, who's a good player too. So, you know, they, they do a good job. You know, Coach Harbaugh's a special teams coach, uh, you know, was there for a long time, a special team coach in Philly, and, you know, he does a great job with that, that part of the game. I know you like being on the road, but I know it's a big challenge as well. What are some of the big keys to pulling this one out? Love being on the road. You know, mm-hmm. we know every week's a challenge. I think to be in the position we're in is a, is a great opportunity for us, and now we just have to, you know, we've got to go do it. I think the big thing, again, I think in this time of the year, and you see it time and time again, is it's going to come down to taking care of the ball, trying to take the ball away, tackling, doing a good job mm-hmm. of tackling, breaking tackles, and I think then it's penalties. I think if we can limit the penalties and play a disciplined, clean football game, then we'll be in the game in the fourth quarter, and we'll see what happens. Coach, thanks a lot. Good luck. Thanks, Vandy. All right, let's get to our next hot read, and it is the all-important injury report. Injury report, that much more important on Friday because it tells you who's in, who's out, and who's questionable. Now, here's an interesting little nugget. I think this is the first time that I can remember in quite some time, where there is nobody out on either side. And for the Ravens, they haven't had a bye. They, they, I'm trying to think when their bye was. Their bye was a while ago. They've played, they've played the last two weeks, three weeks, I think. So nobody out. Now, the last few weeks, certain guys have been out. Will Fuller, Bradley Roby didn't make the trip. Greg Manson, Lonnie Johnson, they didn't make the trip. Well, Greg Manson, Lonnie Johnson got back to work this week coming off the concussion. They were cleared in the concussion protocol, so they're good to go. So nobody out for the Texans. Questionable are the four following players. Will Fuller, Deshaun Gibson, Bradley Roby, Laramie Tunsil. Hugely important players, no doubt. I mean, Captain Obvious over here telling you that. Those four are hugely important. And they've worked out all week in a limited capacity. I think they've all they've been limited all week, yeah. They did work out on a limited capacity, but those are the four that are questionable. Full participants today, Dylan Cole and Titus Howard. Titus did play against the Jags. Dill's been dealing with a little bit of a knee, but those guys are in. So, guys that are in that weren't in previous weeks. You've got Greg Mance in, Lonnie Johnson in, Vernon Hargraves is here. He's on the 53-man roster. 
he's going to be in. Now, those guys may not all be active on Sunday, but they're in. These four, we'll find out. Now, when we've taken trips in the past, if a guy didn't make the trip, we've sent that note out. So keep an eye Sunday, or I'm sorry, on Saturday for our social media page on our social media pages because that's where we'll announce it. Both Texans PR and our main account will announce if somebody didn't make the trip and will be out of this one. But as of right now, no Texans are listed as out. Only four questionable: Fuller, Gibson, Roby. Tunsil. Now, I, I say only four. That's a pretty significant four. But the Texans about as healthy as they have been in quite some time heading into this one with those as the only four questionable. Now, for the Ravens, there is a doubtful, and that is Michael Pierce. It's been my experience in looking at the injury report the last six years in particular that doubtfuls typically turn to outs. But when John Harbaugh was asked today about Michael Pierce, defensive tackle, dealing with an ankle issue, he was asked, is this a game-time decision? And Harbaugh just very shortly said yes. He didn't elaborate. He just said yes. So Michael Pierce will end up being a game-time decision, but he's listed as doubtful. Now, for the Ravens' offense, a lot of what they do is predicated on tight ends, not so much wide receivers. But... They have a couple of dynamic receivers on that group. The name to know is Marquise Hollywood-Brown. He has been dealing with an ankle. He was limited on Wednesday in practice. He did not participate in practice on Thursday. And he was limited again on Friday. He is listed as questionable. Chris Moore, also receiver, listed as questionable, kind of a do-it-all special teams receiver guy that uh, the Ravens have has been there for a while. In fact, he made a huge play against us, but I remember in the 2017 game, I want to say he caught a fake punt maybe. Uh, I think that was Chris Moore. Anyhow, four Texans questionable. Fuller, Gibson, Roby, Tunsil. For the Ravens, one doubtful, Michael Pierce, interior player on defense, and then limited participants today in practice, also questionable, Marquise Brown with the ankle and the rookie at Oklahoma, and Chris Moore. So there is your injury report. All right, next hot read. Let's go to our Texans Audio Jukebox Coordinator Edition. Oh, yeah. Offensive defensive coordinators spoke yesterday, Tim Kelly and Romeo Cornell. And we'll start with offensive coordinator Tim Kelly. And he was asked about the impact Bill O'Brien's had on him as a coach and on his career, as a, as a coach, I think coach is, is has a great feel for the game in terms of being able to call a game, and um, you know he's, he's a really good offensive mind. Basically, he's taught me everything I know about about offense football. So um, his relationship with the players, I've learned a lot from from that and uh, the the way he interacts with the players. But yeah, he's he's got a great feel for the game and, and he's great with the team. With him and personnel, he's taught me everything I know about evaluating talent. So from the different positions, uh, what to look for and. and um, you know, really teaching me again, like I said, how, how to evaluate the talent has been has been something that that um, you know I'm grateful for because he's taking the time out when I was a younger coach to to help me develop. Even going back to Penn State, uh, you know, when when we were recruiting linebackers from New Jersey, you know what I mean. So uh, he's really taken taken a lot of time to, to help me and, and Will Long and all the all the younger coaches really develop. Now, one guy the Texans 
Well, they were facing every four years, but then he got traded to Baltimore or signed with Baltimore. And now there's no telling how many times we're going to face him. That's Earl Thomas. It's now the second time in three years the Texans are facing him. Coach talked about the problems of facing an all-pro legend like Earl Thomas at safety. Earl's a, Earl's a great player who has great instincts, who's, who's made really good plays for a long time in this league. So, um, you know, it was, it, it's, a, it's a definite challenge. It's a definite challenge to go up against a, a player of Earl's quality. Now, we've talked about it all week. I've talked about it a little bit today. It's a big one. Because it's the Ravens, right? Or not? Yeah, I think uh, it's it's really important for no for no other reason um, being that, that it's the next one. Um, so right now, this is the most important game in the world because it's it's our next opponent, and we got to go out there and play well. I gotta admit, I absolutely loved that answer, and I love this answer too. When Coach was asked, "What's the one thing he's most happiest about with his offense?" In 2019 thus far we've shown the ability to, to sustain and finish drives so um you know deshaun's doing a good job of really going out there and and, and getting us into good plays and our guys are going out there and making the plays that are coming their way and, and they're able to do it uh and like i said and sustain the drives and it doesn't necessarily have to be a chunk play in order for us to score all right let's flip it over b-side little defensive coordinator romeo crennel and what his first impressions were vernon hargraves the newest acquisition for your houston texans well, that's a good question. I saw him for the first time today. Uh, I know that he was the number one draft choice, but just like anybody new that we bring in, you got to put them out there and you got to see what they can do and get a feel for them, what their personality is and those kind of things. And so we'll, we'll start doing that, and, and then I'll have a better opinion. Now, as Rack noted, he is a former first-round pick, needed a change of scenery, but is there a benefit to having a change of scenery? Well, it depends on why there is a change of scenery, okay? But then generally, um, the change of scenery gives the player a different perspective on things because um, wherever he was, whatever that perspective he had down there, now this is a different perspective, you know, um, a different organization, a different way of doing things. And he's got to, like I say, he's got to acclimate to all of that. And so uh, a lot of times players who move and go to a new place, they get reinvigorated because it's new. Uh, and if the, if the new team will put whatever's in the past in the past and just, boom, look at my work that I do for you. And then, you know, they feel like that they can do good work and have an opportunity to uh, find a spot. All right, let's get into the Ravens a little bit here with Rack. And, of course, everybody wants to know, how do you stop Lamar Jackson? Well, everybody comes up with the concept of a spy. Coach brought up one key fact. Well, some sometimes you can put a spy on him. You know, like we talked of when maybe other week about spying. And the guy you spy, he needs to be able to catch him. And so far, I haven't seen anybody who can catch a guy. So that's, that's the problem. I always love historical questions, and Coach was asked if Lamar reminds him of anybody. Probably the closest would be Michael Vick because of his speed, you know, but Lamar is a different guy because of what they're doing with him, you know, um, and so that makes it much more complicated because they're, they're uh, running options, they're running zone reads, you know, they're toss cracking, so there are a lot of things that they're doing that, that are problems for the defense. All right, there you go, little Texans Audio Jukebox Coordinator Edition. And, of course, your hot reads brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. All right, we get back 
It's time for our deep slant interview of the week. This week it is Jalila Die. Can't wait to hear this next on Texans All Access. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, former math teacher, and that leads me to Toro's Math Drills. I am calling all of you Houston area teachers. You want to bring a little Texas football to your classroom and sign up for Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. Telling you it works. Not just third and fourth graders. It works for every grade. Get creative. You can always use a little football in your math classroom. That is a fact, Jack. There you go. All right, time to go to our deep slant one-on-one interview of the week. Brought to you by Xfinity. DP Sidhu each and every week. Sits down with one of the players on your 53-man roster for the Houston Texans. And this week is one of the more interesting guys in the locker room. New to the team this year, but made a significant impact. And that is Jalil Adai. Jalil sat down with DP earlier today. It's a Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity. Our guest this week, safety, Jaleel Adai. Jaleel, welcome into the studio. Nice to have you. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Appreciate you having me. I enjoy having you. I've heard a lot of nicknames for you. You get called, I call you Jaleel. Mm-hmm. You've been called Leal. Yeah. I also heard the other day someone call you Hitman, yeah. which is your social media handle. Mm-hmm. So how'd you get the nick? How'd you get that nickname? It's actually funny. I actually got it from the student section um, at my college. I think after my sophomore year. Um, there was actually a guy in my class by the name of Anthony Lazaro. I remember his name, and he actually made a hitman sign and had the students actually, actually like getting it going and stuff. So ever since then, I kind of ran with it and kind of fit my style of play. So I just kept trucking with. He it. called you hitman just. Uh, it was who was it? Was Anthony? One of uh, it was actually in one of my college classes. He called me hitman. He was like, you know what? I'm gonna make a, a sign and bring <laughs> it in the student section, and it just kind of just it was a trickle effect. It just kind of carried over. I like it. I like Hitman a lot. Now you've got it on all your social media platforms. So. Everywhere. And your and your teammates are calling you that too. What have you thought about your first season here with the Texans? It seems mm-hmm. like you just fit in so nicely in that backfield mm-hmm. and the secondary. You're making plays out there. Mm-hmm. What sort? What was the transition like coming from the Chargers to here for you? It was a smooth transition, honestly. You know, the coaches helped me get acclimated with the playbook early. Um, some of the vets that have been around. And it's just the camaraderie that this team has is special. Um, you see a lot of guys hang outside the locker room, and that makes things good. Because when you have a relationship with guys outside the locker room, um, it's that much easier to communicate. You know who you're communicating with, and that's the key. I think just the, the, the friendship that we have and the bond that we have is, is special here. Is that unusual from locker room to locker room to, uh, to have that sort of a chemistry with your teammates? I'm sure it's different everywhere you go, right. but how does it compare to where you've played in the past? Um, well, I played in the past. Well, I was with the Chargers for six years, and I've, obviously I was there for so long, so that was another brotherhood that I had. But I've heard, you know, I've heard around that it's not like that everywhere. Mm. You know, so coming in here, I came in with just an open heart, you know, just ready to meet people and see, you know, different personalities and find out where guys are from or whatnot, and I just clicked. You had some familiarity with the coaching staff, too, because mm-hmm. John Pagano was the defensive coordinator for the Chargers. Yeah. And then Danton Lynn was also with the Chargers or his, when his dad and was Bobby the head King. coach. And Bobby King. Yeah. So how much did it help having some coaches right. that were familiar with you? You kind of knew what their style was. Right. Did that sort of lend you to coming here more so than anywhere else? Honestly, it did. You know, just seeing yeah. familiar faces here and knowing the coaching style and what they bring to the table. And obviously, if they're on the staff, then it's they're, they're like others, you know. So I knew coming in and playing for those guys or being around them, um, the coaches that were working with them would be similar and making it an easy transition for me. 
you do a lot of things as a safety. I think your versatility is something that we sort of heard about a lot in the offseason. You cover mm-hmm. running backs, you cover tight ends, you play safety. Mm-hmm. What do you like about playing in this particular defense? That the same exact thing. They allow me to do a lot. Just like you said, I cover running backs, I cover tight ends, I blitz, and I play the high safety. So just being able to show my versatility. And you know when you're out there on the field and you get to do different things like that, the defense never has to beat on exactly what you're doing or what the scheme we're running. So I think bringing that to the table has helped a lot. In London, you got your interception mm-hmm. towards the end of the game against Gardner Minshew. How cool was yeah. it to play in London, get the pick, right. and then head into the bye with uh, such a big play like that? Oh, that, was a, win. that was such a blessing. You know, that was my second time in London, my first pick of the season, and then being able to do yeah, it. Yeah, your first as a Texan, right, that's right. right. First mm-hmm. as a Texan, first and this season to be able to do it in foreign soil was awesome. You know, that's a memory I'll forever be able to keep. My family was there. They got to witness it, and it was electrifying. So it was an awesome feeling. I like to ask players what they do with the ball. Did you get to keep it? Oh, I kept it. You did? I kept okay. it. That's going in a case. Nice. Yeah. Uh, this Sunday, you get to play Lamar Jackson, and you're one of the few players on this team that have seen him before. Mm-hmm. Chargers beat the Ravens last year in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. What do you remember about facing him last year? He was a rookie, obviously, last mm-hmm. year. What do you remember about facing him last year? And from watching him on film this year, right. where has he changed the most? Um, we faced him twice last year, you know, but last year he was just um, as electrifying. But I just feel like this year he just he feels he seems a lot more comfortable. Not that he wasn't last year, but this year he just feels more comfortable. He's running, he's passing, he's orchestrating the offense, you know, and I feel like the offense is gaining the juice from him. And, you know, just like rookies, they take their rookie curves and ups and downs last year. But this year he's full head of steam and it's going to be a tough task for us. A lot of the players talk about how difficult it is to prepare for an offense like that. They're probably mm-hmm. the most complex to prepare for. Do you think that's the case? You prepared for a lot of offenses in your time. Right. It's like playing the Army, Navy, Georgia Techs, or college. You know, it's, a, it's an offense that you don't see week in and week out. And it's a lot of different. You have to be very sound. You have to be disciplined. Because one, one wrong move or one guy out of this gap or one guy not doing their job, it could be a big play. All right, so we've got in the defense, we've got the lunch pill crew, which mm-hmm. are the interior defensive linemen, and then you got the rock boys. Mm-hmm. And I asked one of the players, I want to say it was Brennan Scarlett or one of the linebackers, about the DBs. I'm like, what's mm-hmm. the DBs group? Do you guys have a group name? Do you guys? We he don't. Said, you guys have don't. a lot of handshakes and stuff. We got a lot of handshakes. You got a lot of dances. A lot of handshakes and dances. I think we got to get a nickname soon. I think you do too. Yeah, it's kind of on the second half. We got to get a nickname. You've got a lot of new players now in the secondary, a lot of All new right. corners added. Uh, what do you think about? The chemistry there, it's mm-hmm. obviously something that you guys work on all offseason, but now with new players, mm-hmm. how does that sort of work every time a new guy joins uh, the um, team? Just get them acclimated as fast as possible. You know, the coaches do a good job of catching guys up on the playbook, and we have to do a good job of communicating with them, catching them up on the playbook, and allowing them to feel like one, you know, feel like us when they come in. You know, it's always difficult when you come in from a new team, um, so you got to make guys as comfortable as possible. and allow them to enjoy the brotherhood. How about for yourself? You were undrafted, and here mm. you are playing in the league for a number of years at such mm. a high level. When you sort of look back at your career, is there anything that you kind of wish you knew early on? Uh, not really. I think I learned from some good veterans, you know, coming in early with the Chargers with Eric Weddle, being around Phillip Rivers, Dwight Freeney, those guys since I've been there, Brandon Flowers. So I think everything happens for a reason, and, I, and I've learned, you know, every year, and I'm, I'm continuing to get wiser as I go. Um, next year onto my eighth year, but I think that being undrafted and coming in the way I did, it makes me play the game the way I play with the chip and always being hungry and never satisfied or complacent. Yeah, you and Tashawn Gibson both coming sort of from that yeah. similar background. What was it like going back to LA and playing the Chargers, your former mm-hmm. team? <laughs> a lot of people have to, a lot of players have to wait a number of years before they face their former team. For right. you, you didn't have to wait that long, but 
Was it awkward? Was it strange? Uh, you know, what were your emotions around There's that? a lot of emotions, honestly. I was excited, but it was awkward going to the visitor locker room Then got out there and got to see a lot of the people that I've played with for such a long time and built relationships with. But once that ball snapped, it was, it was no more friendships. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was juiced. I was excited. I might have been a little bit too carried away sometimes, but, I mean, that's just the way I play. And, you know, playing my former team, I was going to bring a little bit extra out of me. Yeah, I saw a little bit of that juice because I think Phillip Rivers was mic'd up during the game. He, <laughs> he singled you out during one of the plays. He said, he's calling out a lot of things. He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> that's typical Philly. talks a lot of juice. But that's <laughs> my guy, though. That's my guy. A lot of players really enjoyed facing him. They said no, that he's probably sure. one of the smartest quarterbacks And he's a there. big competitor. All right, got to ask you something. This is kind of off the beaten path, but uh, we do this thing called B-Scar TV, and one of the questions mm-hmm. that he asked was, Name a show that you're embarrassed to admit you watched. And I was shocked when you said The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. Not because it's a bad show, because I watched The Bachelor too, but because the former Bachelor, Colton Underwood, was one of your really good friends, and that's why right. you watched it. Right. So you watched that entire season, and that's your good former teammate and your yeah. friend. What were your thoughts when you saw him? I'm happy for him. He's doing his thing. He's made a mark for himself. He always told us that he wanted to get into modeling or TV once he got done playing ball, you know, and he was a former linebacker for us, and we always joked with him and said that he would do a good job doing it, and to see him on the big screen doing it and getting so much gigs and offspins from it, man, it's it's, it's awesome to see. Because first he was like a contestant, mm-hmm. and then he was such a fan favorite, they brought him back as a bachelor, and I know like everyone talk, even if you don't watch the show, you've heard the phrase, the most dramatic season yet. Right. I really thought that was the most dramatic season yet, because it he... Was. He broke up with everybody mm-hmm. and then went after the girl that broke up with him. And they're, they're happy together. And they're yeah. happy together. So yeah. you're watching that. Were you like, what are you, you thinking this is typical Colton or? No, nah, I didn't <laughs> know. I didn't, I didn't know that. It, I didn't know if it was scripted. I didn't know how it went, you know. So I didn't know if he was just going along with it or that was just a build up drama. And yeah, I texted him. I gave him some crap every now and then. <laughs> he, he just hit me back laughing. But I'm happy for him. It was awesome to, you know, see somebody that you know gain that stardom. All right. How about for yourself? You're... Not really new to Houston anymore. You've been here for a little while. Mm-hmm. What have you thought about the city? Have you been around it much? What have you thought about the people and the fans here? Um, it's awesome. It's a football state, obviously. The state of Texas is a football state, and they love their Texans here. Um, it's been it's been awesome. I'm living here and living kind of in the Pearland area out there and having my family with me and my son being raised out here around culture like this and good foods, good eats. <laughs> You're going to need to get your son a little baby cowboy boots and a little cowboy hat. I'm I know. I got to get him swagged up. got to get him some cowboy swag. Yeah, <laughs> that's coming up. Rodeo's coming up. No. All right, good stuff. Wish you best of luck for the rest of the season. Joel. All right, thank you. I saw Jaleel's son during training camp. and I mean, just the most precious little boy you're ever going to want to meet. I saw him again in London. They got a family picture, which I thought was just really cool to have that in that moment in London. But Jaleel had been there last year with the L.A. Chargers. The Chargers played the Titans over there last year. So he got back-to-back trips to London. Not like Garyon Conley. Garyon Conley got trips to London, I think, three out of the last four weeks of the year because he went with Oakland, then had a bye week, then played Green Bay, and then got traded to Houston, played against the Raiders, then flew to London to take on a Jags. He actually ended up 2-0. I think that's an NFL record. Garyon Conley, 2-0 over in London this year. But either way, great stuff there from secondary mate Jalil Adai with DP City. When we get back, it'll be time for our first community credit union first glance. Keys the game. How will the Texans get it done against the unstoppable Baltimore Ravens? I'll discuss that next right here on Texans All Access. It is time to buckle up, Sparky. Here we go. Big-time matchup on Sunday against the Baltimore Ravens. 
And that leads us to this week's First Community Credit Union first glance keys to the game. FCCU is the official credit union of the Houston Texans. This is my favorite segment all week long because, in all honesty, I get to just talk football and talk football with you. That's always fun. I wish you could talk back to me. Not like talk back like your kids talk back to you. Like my son will talk back to me every now and again. No, I'm joking. He doesn't do that. He's uh, he's a good boy. There's no doubt about that. But I, I wish I could sort of hear from you. I hear from I hear from some people about this segment in particular. Some people I love and take care of me, so uh, they like it, and so I like it. So I'm giving you the keys to the game on Sunday, and we're going to start with the Texans' defense against the Ravens' offense. It is a unique bunch on offense. From Lamar Jackson to offensive coordinator Greg Roman to the construction of it with three tight ends being the majority pass catchers with speed on the outside at receiver, but not utilized all that much. A veteran offensive line adapting to the new offense just as everybody else has. It's a unique group. It is first in the league in points per game since week five. It is first in the league in rush yards per game. So they are ground gainers, but they do it differently than most. And that leads me to key number one, disciplined eyes. Now, eyes will control everything this week. And what I mean by that is you're going to have to play option responsibility football. When Lamar puts the ball in a guy's chest, who's got that guy, who's got Lamar? When they run midline option, as I telestrated, you can't have two guys chasing ghosts. You've got to make sure that from a responsibility standpoint, it's taken care of. Who's got the dive, the, the pitch, the pull? Who's got the fullback, the quarterback, tailback? Or in this case, the running back, the, maybe the wide receiver's the pitch guy. We've seen that with the Texans a few times when the Texans run it. But disciplined eyes, read your keys. They will take you to where you need to go. They will take you to your responsibility. Do not create unnecessary seams in the run defense chasing ghosts. And what I mean, what I mean by that goes back to what I telestrated this week. I did a midline option play for the Baltimore Ravens. And what that does on a midline option, essentially what you're doing, for most options you're reading the outside guy in the line of scrimmage. You read him. If he bites on the ball fake, then you, the quarterback pulls it and he runs an option with the opportunity to run it or pitch it to one of his guys. And basically what you, you hope is that if that guy crashes, then he's out of the play. So basically he's chased a ghost. Well, what the Patriots did is they didn't have just one guy chase a ghost. They had two. They had both the guy that didn't get blocked and a linebacker. The way that should be played is, yeah, okay, if Lawrence Guy bites on it, okay. But the linebacker can't. The linebacker's got to read the keys. Hey, my defensive lineman went inside. I got to go outside. You've got to play responsibility football against this group. And that takes disciplined eyes. Now, number two is really a key that it's it's necessary every week, but it's more of a focus this week maybe than ever because of the construction of the 
Ravens run game and the guys who run the football. And there are three guys that run the ball the majority of the time, if if not nearly 100% of the time. And that's running backs Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards and quarterback Lamar Jackson. Tackling is a major key this week. Those two running backs are strong and powerful. Now, Ingram's a little long in the tooth. Edwards, I think it is second or third, I think second year. They pound the rock. There's no fancy. There's size and there's power with those two. So you got to bring big boy pads to tackle them. And then you got Lamar. Now, when you see Lamar on TV, you're like, ah, look at him. He's thin. He's 6'2", 218. That doesn't sound like a whole lot, but then you think, wait a second, 6'2", 218. That's a pretty good-sized guy. And not only is he good-sized, he is slippery. That's the word I would use for him. He is slippery. It's really hard to get a good shot on him. He's got a knack for getting skinny through a hole, and then he can run away from you. And he's strong and he's athletic. He'll hurdle you if you go low. He'll shake you off if you come with a feeble tackle. Tackling is at a premium. Number three. This kind of goes with number one a little bit. But we usually talk about spinning the dial, right? You've heard me use that term. Coach O'Brien's used that term. We've kind of stolen it from him and used it. And we talk about that in terms of the defense spinning the dial coverage-wise and pass rush-wise. So you have the rushing coverage work together. So you talk about spinning the dial. Don't show them the same rush. Don't show them the same coverage. That pertains this week to playing the option. When you play the option, you can't always have this guy on dive, this guy on quarterback, this guy on pitch. You've got to be able to change that up. You've got to spin the option responsibility dial. Because once you get locked in, this is how we're going to do it, and you do that, do it the whole way, then you're going to have trouble because they're going to figure it out. They're going to know who they need to block. Okay, well, you know this guy's got the pitch, so make sure we put a guy on that so he can pitch it and then run. Or we know this guy's got the quarterback. Let's block that guy so Lamar can run free. Spin the dial against them from an option responsibility standpoint. And I hope you understand what I'm talking about when it comes to option. Lamar Jackson has three options. He can give the ball, he can pull it himself, or he can pitch it out to a running back or maybe sometimes even wide receiver. Now, there are some options where it's just give it, pull it, like zone read. You see a lot of that with the Texans. There's zone read. Uh, Texans add the RPO game into that, which is run-pass option. And the Ravens will do a little bit of that. But theirs are more just true run options. So change up who's got what responsibility. Hey, on this play, we're going to slant hard with a defensive lineman inside to take Lamar. He may not be expecting it because we've been playing outside responsibility with Lamar. Now we're going to take our guy and just slant him hard inside to go to Lamar and make him have to make a decision early. But change it up on them. Spin the option responsibility dial. Number four, challenge the tight ends of the passing game with corners as much as possible. What ends up happening to teams is they they see three tight ends on the field and they want a bunch of safeties or linebackers on the field, and then those tight ends start getting out the routes, and you've got linebackers and safeties having to cover these tight ends. Understand that the tight ends are the focal point of the passing game. So have corners on the field to be able to cover them. Now, the Ravens will scheme it up such that there is a wide receiver out on the field, 
but make sure that you have corners that are available. And Lonnie Johnson is a perfect example of a guy size-wise that can match up close, as close as you're going to get, to Hayden Hurst, to Mark Andrews, to Nick Boyle. But match up with corners. They run routes down the field, make sure corners are on them. Now, I trust Justin Reed in coverage. He's covered a lot of guys in his time, dating back to Stanford. He even played some corner out there. He played some nickel. He'll, he'll cover guys. He'll cover some of those tight ends. That's fine. But I don't want is a slew of, of safeties covering tight ends when you can have corners on them. So if you can allow corners to be on the tight ends, let's do it. Because that is a focal point of this offense is throwing the ball to those three tight ends. And last and certainly not least, when you rush the quarterback, in Lamar in this case, envelop Jackson in the pocket. You did this pretty well against Gardner Minshew, and you forced him to have to throw from the pocket. Now, Lamar will throw it from the pocket and will beat you a few times from the pocket. He's not Tom Brady from the pocket. He's not even Deshaun Watson from the pocket. He's not Drew Brees from the pocket. You envelop the pocket around them, all that does is give them enough time to find an open receiver. Lamar is going to look at that first read. If that pocket's closing down on him, his eyes find the rush, and now you got him. But you've got to envelop him. You can't allow a seam which provides an escape route. So just take your four rushers and envelop him just like a wall, like a closing in arced wall. Just like, you know, like the, you know, like the claw that you played at Dave and Buster's, that claw that comes down and it picks up like a stuffed teddy bear. That's kind of like you want it to be kind of be like that. Just like, and just envelop him in it. That's it. You do that and those things. If you spin the option responsibility dial, you play with discipline eyes, you tackle well, you cover tight ends when at all possible with corners, and you envelop the quarterback in the pocket, you got an opportunity to slow that Ravens offense down. Now, let's go to the other side against this Ravens defense. It features uh, guys maybe you don't know a lot on the defensive side up front. There's no more Terrell Suggs. There's no more C.J. Mosley. Names you're used to hearing, that those names are gone. In its place, Patrick Iwanasor, L.J. Fort, Michael Pierce, Tyus Bowser. Names that you may not be familiar with now, University of Houston fans should be familiar with Tyus Bowser. Names that you're maybe not familiar with, but the back end is where they've got the stars. Up front, not so much. But those guys played pretty well together. In the secondary, names you've heard of. Marcus Peters. Jimmy Smith, Brandon Carr, Marlon Humphrey, Earl Thomas. I bring up those names because the number one key against the Ravens defense is ball security in all caps and exclamation points. I can't stress this enough. Marlon Humphrey, every single time a ball carrier is around him, he looks to punch it out. He is the peanut Tillman of this era. His Twitter name is is fruit punch, in all caps, the punch. He wants to punch it out. That's what he did at Seattle in a huge moment in the game. Seattle driving to tie the game. Ball's caught. He goes to punch it out. It comes out. He returns it for a touchdown. That secondary is lurking at all times. They want to punch it out of every ball carrier's hands. And I bring that up because the Texans have not been great with ball security the first nine games. Now, they got a lot of them back, but they think of the games. Kansas City, first play of the game, fumble. They've had it throughout where they have fumbled the football 
gotten it back, but the ball security has got to be on point because that secondary in particular is lurking to take it away. Number two, one of the guys that I absolutely love. I've been a huge fan of his since he came into the league. When I scouted him going into the NFL, I knew this guy was going to be a big-time player, was going to be a huge run stuffer, and that's Brandon Williams, number 98. Very similar to our number 98, DJ Reader. And when John Harbaugh was asked about our defense, he mentioned Reader and said he's similar to our guy, and he meant Brandon Williams. You're not going to shut him down, but you got to be able to handle him. He's going to make plays because he's a strong beast and one heck of a football player. But you got to be able to handle him and contain him as much as possible. If you let him run wild and you just can't get him blocked, you're going to have trouble running the football all day long. That guy is a man-child. Number 98, Brandon Williams. You've got to manage him and slow him down and contain him. Number three, kind of working with number one, but this goes all the way through. Receivers must be strong from snap to tackle. And what I mean by that is as soon as the ball is snapped, those defensive backs for the Ravens are looking to punish and grab and hold and do whatever they've got to do to slow down routes. And then through the route, they're going to be pushing and holding and clutching and grabbing. And then at the top of the route, they're going to be doing the same thing. And then when you go up and get the football, they're going to maul you and try and get that thing away from you. And then after you've caught it, they're going to do the same thing, try and punch it out. These guys are as physical as it gets. And all I have to do is remind you of DeAndre Hopkins in 2017. Halfway through the first quarter, his jersey was torn from the sh- his armpit all the way down to his waist torn that's how they're going to play on the outside it is going to be a physical match you've got to be strong off the snap strong in your routes strong at the top of the route strong catching the football and then hanging on to that thing for dear life receivers are key this week against this secondary this is as good a secondary as they're going to face but they clutch they hold they grab they punch you've got to be able to handle that as a receiver crew number four The blitz is coming. Know that right now. Don Wink Martindale is not going to let Sean Watson sit in the pocket. He's bringing the blitz. And he's going to bring blitz zone. He's going to bring seven, cover zero. He's going to bring all kinds of stuff at him. If you pick it up, you got a chance. The Patriots struggled a few times early on in the game and didn't pick it up, and that allowed the Ravens to jump out to 17-0 lead, and then they held on at least until they got 24-20 and then tacked on another couple touchdowns. The blitz is coming. Know where your hots are. Guys that have hot routes, know when to run them. Get yourself open and beat the blitz with quick reactions and quick, effective execution. And number five, if the Ravens want to play five or six defensive backs regularly, keep the hammer down in the run game. Block 98 with a couple of guys and keep the hammer down. If they want to play five and six defensive backs, keep pounding the ball down their throat. The Texans are the one team, I think, that can do that to the Ravens. But they got to be able to do that when they go five and six defensive backs. If it's second and seven and they got five, six defensive backs on the field, pound it, pound it. Number six, I'm going to say for pregame. Because I think there's one thing I saw in the Patriots game that the Patriots did in the second half that gave the Ravens some issue. And I'll talk a little bit more of that in the pregame. But there you go. Those are your first community credit union, first glance, keys to the game. FCCU, the official credit union of the Houston Texans. Let's get my buddy Mark Vandermeer in here next to talk about his thoughts. And I thought this week 
Mark was very reserved, not saying biggest game in uh, Texans history. A lot of other people said that. Is this the biggest regular season game in quite some time? I'll ask Mark next right here on Texans All Access. We got one hour of the books in this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, and I'm joined by the voice of the Houston Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, your level of excitement for Sunday, and how different is that from every other Sunday? Well, I'm trying to pump the brakes here a little bit because I'm super excited, and we've got the Texans coming off the bye. We've got Baltimore. You have this three-game stretch, uh, and – I hate putting it that way. I know I've been putting it that way. I hope they're not putting it that way. Mm-hmm. It's a weird moment here for the organization. Not weird, but but unique. I'll just put it that way. Yep. Because you have the Ravens, and this is as big a regular season game, as we've said, as they've played in a long time. Yeah, in a while, yeah. And then you have the Colts on a short week. And the Colts on a short week, Johnny, as you know, is its own entity. Yeah. I mean, the Colts anytime. It's the Colts. Yet you have this colossal battle a few days before. You really just have to, you know, fully focus on this thing and then flush it and get ready for what is really a much more important game to you, I Mm -hmm. think, even if you beat the Ravens. If you beat the Ravens, even if the Colts lose this weekend to Jacksonville, you feel like, hey, look at you. I think the media is going to feel like this more than the Texans themselves as players and coaches, people inside the building. But you're going to look at it like, hey, this is a team that's vying for a bye, vying for a number two seed, maybe number one because the Patriots are on the horizon. But you can never look past those boys in blue. So it's a really unique few days. And I'm super pumped up for it because – you and I, we're going to feel, and Andre, we're going to feel like, man, we're in the NBA. You right. know, we've got this fast rhythm going with these two games, uh, calling the action, and it's just such a thrill. But the game itself in Baltimore, it, it, it gives me the heebie-jeebies to go up there in a way. Not like going to New England, but they've never won up there. Right. I remember Kyle Bowler with three consecutive passes and zero blitz and zero, cover zero, whatever the Texans yeah. were running, and, and he puts them in field goal range at 05. That was another painful loss. In that Kyle Bowler. Bowler was the Kyle quarterback Bowler. then. Yeah, Kyle Bowler. I remember going up there in 11 twice and, and the feeling of the playoff game and four turnovers, but you only lose by seven. Coulda, woulda, shoulda yeah. up there. And, of course, I remember a couple of years ago, that was kind of a throwaway game, that Monday night football game when the Texans season was just you know coming in for a crash landing after Watson went out for the year. But it's so thrilling. This is a whole new era. These two guys going at it, Watson and Jackson. Uh, but everybody in the building knows it's much more than that. It's much more. It's how you deal with the little things here, not just Jackson, but they're running backs and you know facing this defense, which has gotten better since the first four games of the season. I know Cleveland beat them, but the Ravens feel like they're a completely different team since then. Yeah, they absolutely feel like they're a different team. How about this? This, what is it, irresistible force meets the immovable object or something like that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Texans have given up three rushing touchdowns yeah. all year. Yeah. I'll have a trivia question for you in a second. It's a, it's a tough one. I, okay. I had to look it up. Okay. Okay. They've given up three better. rushing touchdowns this year. Yeah. That's second in the league. Minnesota's only given up two. The Ravens have 15 rushing touchdowns. Yeah. That's number one in the league. So they have 15 rushing touchdowns. Texans have only given up three. And Jackson's thrown for 15. And he's thrown for 15. Yeah. But it's the rushing touchdown aspect of it where I'm like, wow. 
They've been so good putting the ball in the end zone when they've yeah. gotten close. To have 15 rushing touchdowns in nine weeks? Yeah. I, that's unbelievable. I think you, you might give up one or two this week. Yeah. You could still win and give up one or two. Right, that, right. that doesn't mean I'm spelling gloom and doom here for the Texans, but this is just the way the Ravens score. Yeah. You know, they score on the ground like you pointed out. Right. And even though you've done well in that category, this is going to be tough. Uh, if we were doing more likely to happen, rushing touchdown, uh, what about a tight end catching a TD pass for the Ravens? That's, That's a pretty a, high pop probability. Yeah, I, and when you and I often talk about number, what's the number of points it's going to take to pull this baby out this weekend? I got to go 28-30. It's in that range. I feel this, like 31 gets it done. Really? I think you got to get to the same number as you did against the Chiefs. I just I, I feel that way uh, about this one, that you, you have to get to 31. I think 31 is the number. 31 would make – okay, I give you 31, and then you're going to let it play out. I Look, I – If you give me 31, they win. I, I really feel confident. I think 31 wins I it. start to feel – I, I should say I think 31 wins it. 31 will win it. Yeah. Does 27 yeah, do it? If Does you're putting up 31, you, you know, you've gotten a turnover to – You've right. gotten some long drives, possibly. You've you've gotten you've made some things happen. Yeah, I mean, come on, thirty-one. This defense, this Houston defense. Look, I know the Ravens are really good on offense, and they'll get theirs. They'll yeah. get their points. They'll get their yards, whatever. But I like the Texans' chances of at least slowing them down and making some key stops, making a stop here or there, maybe able to capitalize on a possible turnover. Maybe you get a return in this yep. game. You never know. They gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown this year. So I think you have some possibilities here. I think one of the aspects, and it's funny because I, I remember this my very last year of coaching, we ran the option earlier in the year, mm-hmm. but we dabbled with it. You know, right. it was one of those things that we did, we did, but we really, we did it infrequently. So if we ran 65 plays in a game, we probably did it five times. Option five times, huh? And then... Don't as, you want to be well rehearsed in running the option? You but, don't want to mess around with but that. But here's the thing. As we started to run it and get better at it, we started running run it more and more. And in the biggest game all year, I probably called it 75, 80% of the time. My thought with that is watching these guys, especially against the Patriots, they ran the option a bunch, mm-hmm. a bunch. And my hope is that at some point they flip one out to a running back and it's a bad pitch. I mean, that's a risk yeah. you end up taking right. when you do run the option. Ball going backwards. Ball going backwards. Running back keeps his, you know, he's looking at a defender. He doesn't look at the ball. He drops the ball. You have that. Bad read. I do think some of their quote-unquote options, like I did Telstrator this week on midline option, and I, I think I pointed out on the YouTube version that I did, it doesn't look like Lamar's reading it. It's actually called. So so on this one, you're definitely going to pitch. On this one, you're definitely keeping right. it. You're definitely keeping it's it It's not here. a read. It's not. It didn't look like it just based on where his eyes were and what, what was going on. But that said, it doesn't matter. To the defense, it still looks like option. And you got to mm-hmm. play it that way because on that play, he ended up faking it to Gus Edwards up the middle, and then he follows his, his tight end through the B-gap. He could very easily just give it to Gus Edwards. So you've got to play responsibility football against the option. Because you don't that's, know what he's going to do. Right. That's that's where you get you get kind of stuck with the option. Uh, but against the Patriots in particular, they had a number of different options. And as it had success, what they do? They kept going back to it. They kept going back to it. And that's my thing about the option that they run it. It's not their every down offense. And so my hope is that, like you said, going back to the turnover thing, Maybe we play it right. They pitch it out there. They drop one. They kick one. And maybe that's what it takes 
is to get that one just that one turnover based off something like that that works in your favor. Now, you just have to play solid responsibility football against them. you got to know at all times who's got dive, who's got quarterback, who's got pitch, who's got Lamar. Are you spying on Lamar? Do you have two guys spying on Lamar? Are you reading your keys properly? Those are all – I mean, those. T- this week is all about can you be disciplined enough against this team – such that you can slow them down from those aspects in the run game. I'll t- the run game in particular. I'll tell you what I like coming into this thing. You've had Romeo Cornell, Bill O'Brien, the whole brain trust, a couple of weeks to get ready for it. Yep. You had the extra practice on Monday. That's a day you don't normally get That's to true. practice That's because true. normally you play on Sunday, but coming back from the bye, they had an extra day of preparation. And I just like the way this crew played de- defense against Jacksonville. I know Jacksonville is not the Ravens. I know this. But, all right, let's take the next step here. Yeah. You're back out on the road. They love being on the road. You heard Bill yep. O'Brien talk about it Loves earlier it. in the show. Loves being on the road. Uh, everybody's together. Everybody, it's them against the world. Right. They, they respond to this thing. I'm wondering about the traveling Texans turnout, too, because, look, everybody had to make the investment in London. Right, who exactly. Went, and some other places they've been this year. Kansas City was well represented mm-hmm. under the circumstances. Chargers. Chargers. I mean, Same that's kind not of a, thing. Not a cheap trip to go to L.A. any time of year. Uh, and here you go. Now you're going to Baltimore, which is a good trip. Yep. I mean, this we talked about it in the offseason when the schedule came out. This is a great traveling Texans year. So let's see how many of them show up there. But you know this is a crazy environment. This is nuts. Yep. they got the white stripes going. Mm-hmm. They've got all of this stuff happening for them in Baltimore. And, I, I how, all right, you mentioned the option game, but what about Lamar Jackson just dropping back to pass? He's also dangerous in the pocket. And there are all these metrics that say he throws from the pocket much more than you think. It's not like everything's on the run outside of the pocket. Right. Kirk Cousins throws more out of the pocket than Lamar Jackson. Somebody put that one out there this week, and I thought, well, it's because of all the bootlegs and everything. But still, right. that's an interesting stat. Well, and the other thing, too, that he does, which we've seen Matt Stafford do, you see Patrick Mahomes do it all the time, and everybody you know, lauds him for it. Lamar changed his arm angle. He made a throw in the Cincinnati game. I still, I had to watch it twice in live action, and I still don't know how he threw it, but he dropped down sidearm and just flicked it. And I was like, how did he do that? So he's he's got the ability to do those things, to change his arm slot and do some different things that you see other quarterbacks get more credit for doing mm-hmm. that he's actually doing as well. So he's, you're right. Say you shut down the option. Say you shut it down like, hey, your options aren't working. Right. Ain't happening. We're going to force him to have to throw the ball. He's got three really good tight ends. They don't use the receivers all that much. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the one where I'm like, mm, okay, but he uses the tight ends but a lot. But don't ignore them. No, no, you can't. No, no, you can't ignore those receivers. But the tight ends, those guys have been ultra successful with yeah. him. And that worries me because that's just another way to ball control. That's just another way to ball control. And by the way, before I let it get away from me, I mentioned earlier, Texas defense has given up three rushing touchdowns. Right. Who's the last player to score a rushing touchdown against the Texans? The last player to score. It happened in week five. Uh, Let me count the games. When the Texans played the Falcons. Okay, so it was Matt Ryan. Very good. I, I, when I saw that, I was like, Ryan scored it. And then I remembered he scored in that fourth down sneak yeah. that got reviewed. Yeah. Uh, that was a phone that had the Matt Ryan. The, the very last. mobile, dangerous. Matt Ryan. Rolling out, running threat. Not really. Matt Ryan. You want to put it this way. Only one starting running back has scored a touchdown. Who? A rushing touchdown against the Texans. Camara? McCaffrey. 
Oh, McCaffrey. Of Remember course. Latavius Murray had yeah. that one where he broke through for 30 yeah, yards. Latavius Murray had one. And then Matt Ryans. And then Christian McCaffrey is the only. So Kamara did not score on them as a, as a runner. As a runner. Yep. All right, so. How about that? You know what they don't have in Baltimore? DeAndre Hopkins. That's right. And I was on a Baltimore radio station. I said, look, this guy is, he should be talked about as one of the best offensive players, period, right. in this league. In fact, he's more valuable to any team, if you're doing MVP rankings, then how many quarterbacks in this league? Right. I don't know what the number is, right. Johnny, but that's how valuable DeAndre Hopkins is. You want to talk about people who make other people around them better, and I know you know this, DeAndre Hopkins, as a receiver, makes other people around him better because he makes quarterbacks better, he makes the other receivers better, he is such a threat, and they don't have him. This is going to be big for this football team once again. And I don't know, as much as we love him and see his work every week, I don't know if enough is said about the value of DeAndre Hopkins to this football attack. DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins' wide receiver has been really good this year. DeAndre Hopkins, the running back, has been almost even better. <laughs> what, one carry? Well, you no, mean just, not, not, you mean not even that. No, I'm just talking about the number oh, of short throws, yardage. The short yardage throws that they've gone in. He's the best short yardage back we have. At yeah. least it feels that way. I mean, he gets the ball on a short yard. It's third and two. Throw it. Throw it to DeAndre. And I love that because it just it doesn't allow you as a defense to get comfortable. This will be an interesting challenge because what is the – I have one. What's the enduring image from the Monday night game against the Ravens the last time we were up there? Within the first, what, first quarter of the game? Turnover. You remember DeAndre Hopkins' jersey was shredded oh, yeah, 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 from yeah. top all the way down? That's right. They beat the heck out of him, and he kept coming back. He yeah. kept making receptions. And that was with, with Tom Savage at quarterback. Right. Now he's now he's bringing Watson up there. Offensive line hopefully is all together. This, I, I'm, I'm pumped about this one. I have There are two things that worry me, and they're trends. And I, and I know trends can change, but the home team – has won every Ravens-Texans game since 2011. Mm-hmm. Home team has won every game. The last time the road team won was the Monday night game, the comeback that it's, then went the other way. Oh. That's the last home team to have won, That's the last road team to win in this series. And the second one, there have been six teams that have come that have gone to London by week and then played after that. And it's what, 5-1? and one? Oh and one, six. Oh, oh, it's oh and six. I was gonna say one and five. Oh, oh and six. six. All six. Rams, Bengals, Bears. Oh, you're talking Raiders. This year. Yeah. All of them come off the bye and lost. Now the Raiders lost on the road to the Packers. The Rams lost on the road to the Steelers. Those wow. are tough trips, regardless. And and Oakland had been on the road for however long yep. they've been. You know, the Rams have got to come back from London and fly to Pittsburgh. Now, I mean, we got to fly to Baltimore. I get that. But that's been part of it, too, is that you come off that bye and then you're facing them. I mean, the Bengals were facing the, the Ravens, and the Bengals aren't. You know, that, that's me walking up good. to the roulette wheel, and it's red, 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 red. I'm going black, okay? Well, I hope black shows up and, this week. And uh, Deshaun Watson, those teams don't have him. That's true. All right? And he's going to be good to go. That's a good point. That's yep. a very, very good point, and I'm glad you brought that up. Mark, appreciate it. Thanks, Johnny. When we get back, a full slate of NFL games this weekend. However, only two games feature two teams with winning records. Texans-Ravens is one of them. What's the other one? I will predict all of them straight up and against the spread next right here on Texans All Access. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Welcome back to Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. 
I hope you are out enjoying high school football tonight, a playoff game, college game on Saturday. I think it's going to be pretty nice on Saturday as well. And then on Sunday, you will be sitting in front of your television at 12 noon to get ready for this one against the Baltimore Ravens. It's time to do our NFL predictions. We go around the league doing it this way. I make predictions straight up and against the spread because, well, why not? It's a good way to talk about teams, good way to talk about games, good way to talk about everything that's happening in the NFL, not named Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph. So there you go. So let's get into these games. Now, like I said, I pick them straight up and against the spread. Now, I never picked the Texans game. But one thing to keep in mind with these games this week, there are two games of, I believe, 12. I believe 12 because there are two four teams on a bye. So they make 28. So 14 games. One was played last night. That's 13. So, yeah, 12 games. So you've got that going on this weekend. Of these games, you have two matchups, two, featuring two teams with winning records. One, Patriots-Eagles, 8-1 versus Eagles, 5-4. and four. The other, Ravens-Texans, Ravens 7-2, Texans 6-3. That's it. That's all. The only two games featuring teams with winning records. Both teams with winning records. The rest of them, 5-4, 3, 5-1. 4-5, 5-4. 6-3, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 7-2, 7-3. 
Two losses in which Brian Hoyer featured heavily. Started the game against the Dolphins, threw three picks, lost to the Dolphins. Came in against the Steelers, actually did a decent job against the Steelers, but still threw a pick six to make a Fitzpatrick, lost that game. Jacoby Brissett is back. He will play in this one, and they will beat the Jags by more than three. The Colts will come back. I don't know if T.Y. Hilton is going to be able to play. I think it's going to be questionable up until game time. My guess is they're going to hold out T.Y. until he plays us. And then according to him, he'll come to his second home here at Energy Stadium. I can't wait to shut him down on Thursday night. But that's a different story for next week. But the Jags will play hard, but I don't think they'll have enough. Nick Foles will be interesting to see what Foles bring to it. But I think the Colts will get the win at home by more than three. Bills play the Dolphins in Miami. The Miami Dolphins have a two-game winning streak. The Dolphins... Could not come through in the clutch against the Browns. Offensively, they still struggle to put points up on the board. That'll keep Miami in the game. But I do think in the end, Buffalo will get this win by more than six. That is the spread. Buffalo is going to go down to Miami, get a win, win by seven, and put the Dolphins back on track, get that number one pick. They will continue to chase the Cincinnati Bengals. The Broncos go to the Vikings. The Broncos have played much better football. Much better. Now, Brandon Allen, it's a little different than it is with Joe Flacco, but I know that the defense likes to see Brandon Allen doing some good things offensively. They're a 10.5-point dog at Minnesota. Minnesota's coming off that win against Dallas on the road on Sunday night. I do think there will be a little bit of a letdown, such that the Broncos will keep it close. The Vikings will win, so take the Broncos to get inside that 10.5 and, and the Vikings to get the straight-up win. The Saints go to the Bucks. The Saints are 5.5-point favorites. The Saints will not have another game like last week. If I were a betting man, and I'm not, this might be a game I'd feature. The Saints are only 5.5-point favorites. I think the Saints go down to Tampa Bay and put a two-touchdown hurting on the Bucks. The Bucks have done some things a little better, but they're not there yet. They make too many mistakes. The Saints will capitalize. The Saints will win by definitely more than five and a half. Fire, fire, fire. Jets, Redskins. Really? Jets will win this game on the road. No, just, that's, that's all. So there's nothing there. Falcons go to the Panthers. Falcons got a huge win last week. They beat New Orleans by 17 in New Orleans. Falcons are 1-7 and seven at the time. They're now 2-7. and seven. They go to the Panthers. The Panthers had a very close ball game with the Packers. How close? Well, probably about three snowy inches separated Christian McCaffrey from getting the end zone. That would have cut the lead to two with a chance for a two-point opportunity to tie and take into overtime in Green Bay. Carolina's favored by five and a half. I think the Falcons woke up a little bit and may have woken up the Panthers. So I do think the Falcons will play very well, and I do think this will be close. I think the Panthers will win it. Very, very close inside that five and a half. So take the Falcons to cover and the Panthers to win straight up. That'll be the end of your noon games. Obviously, Texans-Ravens, which I never pick. You guys know how I feel about that. I never picked that game because I will always pick it the same way. So I pick the Texans to win and cover no matter what. Interesting that Baltimore is a four-point favorite. That's it. I mean, for people that think Baltimore is the number one or number two team in the AFC or in the league, only be a four-point favorite at home. Interesting. Cardinals go to the 49ers. The 49ers, first defeat of the year last week against Seattle on a Monday night. A game that was 
highly winnable or highly tieable, either way you want to look at it. The 49ers shot themselves in the foot all game long. Kendrick Bourne couldn't catch a cold that led to turnovers. It was just a problem. I think the 49ers will bounce back. I think a defensive front will slow down Kyler Murray a little bit, and that'll be enough. The 49ers are going to get the win. I don't like the spread at all. 11 and a half? I don't know that I trust that. So let's go with the 49ers for the straight-up win. And you know what? Let's get the 49ers a cover. I just feel like the Cardinals will play it a lot closer to 11 and a half. I feel like it, but I can't pull the trigger on it. So let's go 49ers to win and cover the 11 and a half. The Bengals go to the Raiders. The Raiders are a 10-point favorite. The Raiders are the most improved football team in, in the NFL from last year to this year. It's not even close. I watched them a few times last year, even though we didn't play them, just different games that we would scout other teams. It was a mess. But John Gruden got that team on track with players that nobody really knows, draft picks that were huge. And they're missing one of the best, Jonathan Abram, to save you, I think would have been a huge piece. Now, they lost Carl Joseph. That's going to be key in the secondary. I don't think it's a key this week. I think they beat the Bengals by 100. The Bengals are not very good. The Raiders get this win, and they cover the 10. One of those games I mentioned a little while ago in which it features two teams with a winning record is this one, the Patriots and the Eagles. In Philadelphia, the first time that these two are meeting since the Super Bowl a couple years ago, the Eagles are a a three-and-a-half-point dog at home. I don't think it matters. I think the Patriots are going to come in there Right the ship, gain a small measure of revenge, and win that game by more than three and a half. Now, I will be rooting, rooting, rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles to win that game, but it won't happen. The Patriots will rise up, get the win, coming off the bye week, and get the win over Philadelphia and get it by more than three and a half points. Your Sunday night game that did not get flexed was Bears Rams. Bears got a win last week. Trubisky threw three touchdowns. It won't happen this week. The Rams are six-and-a-half-point favorites. Last year, the Bears shut the Rams down out. But playing at home, I think the Rams are a different story. I think the Rams put up a number here. I think they win this by seven or more. Give the Rams a win. They get the six-and-four. They've got to keep pace with Seattle and San Francisco. So let's take the Rams to win and to cover that six-and-a-half. Then down in Mexico City on Monday night, Chiefs face the Chargers. Chiefs are four-point favorite. Now, the Chiefs are supposed to go to Mexico City last year, but the turf at Azteca Stadium was not great after a Shakira concert. Uh, her hips definitely didn't lie, and they left firework burns all over that field. Couldn't play it, moved out to L.A. It was maybe the NFL game of the year with the Chiefs and the Rams. I do not think the Chiefs in this L.A. team will have the game of the year, so I'm going with the Chiefs to beat the Chargers. Would love to see the Chargers pull the upset. Don't think it's going to happen. I think it's a high-scoring game. And the Chiefs get the win. They will win by a touchdown. Let's go with 45-38. That will cover the four. So Chiefs to win and cover on the road down in uh, Azteca Stadium in Mexico City. Look forward to seeing that. I, I always like games in different locations, especially up front. To like, what's the look? How's it look? I remember going down. That was one of the cool things about going to Mexico City. Like, what did that look like? Wow, this is kind of kind of neat to play that game. Would rather, actually, now I've done both, rather go to London than Mexico City. Longer flight, I hate that, but we'd rather go to London than Mexico City. But either way, Chiefs will go down there and do what they couldn't do last year, and that's play Mexico City. Chiefs, Chargers, take the Chiefs to win by seven. So there you go. There are your predictions straight up and against the spread. All right, close the show down. We do this every single week. It's time to turn it over to the players. We're going to hear from Titus Howard. 
We got some B-Scar TV and a little bit of Texans player audio jukebox next on Texans All Access. We've got one final segment on this wonderful Friday evening for you of Texans All Access from Monday Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, and it's time to turn it over to the players. That's what we do in the final segment. It's all about them. And the first thing that we always do is give you a little B-Scar TV, a.k.a. Player Reporter. It's brought to you by Arctic, official coolers and tumblers of the Houston Texans. Visit RTICcoolers.com. Arctic coolers overbuilt, not overpriced. This week... And I love this. I wish that Brennan would have gone on longer with the players on this one. Name a TV show or movie that you were embarrassed to watch. Keep it locked in for Kenny Still's answer. It's really, really good. Some good answers in this one. Our newest edition of B-Scar TV. Back with another episode of B-Scar TV. And we got a very, very special guest. For you today, your wide receiver, Mr. Kenny Stills, a.k.a. Kenny. Kenny, how we feeling? I'm excited to be on B-Scar TV, honestly. I appreciate you having me. Name a TV show or a movie you're embarrassed to admit you loved. Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. When everybody asks me, like, what's your favorite show? I'd be like, Grey's Anatomy. They're like, what is that? Hey, that's a girl show? I'm like, man, hey, it's just saving lives, man. That's the type of guy I am. Would you ever be a doctor? Oh, no. No. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. But you watch you watch these doctors doing their thing. See, I live through them. I can't do it for myself. That's why I watch the show. I live through the doctors. I feel like I watch the show so much. Whenever something's going on with me, I'd be, like, be like, oh, man, i seen this on Grey's Anatomy. This is what's wrong with me. I might need to go to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I low-key stumbled upon the notebook one day. <laughs> I was just watching TV, regular TV. I didn't have, like, a guide or anything. Scrolling through the channels. This movie was real good, and next thing I know, I got to a commercial break, and they're like, oh, you're watching The Notebook. And I was like, definitely shed a couple tears. That was my next question. You cried in the movie. Were you alone? Yeah, I was alone. (laughs) I cried, and I was by myself. The next day, I had to tell somebody, so I got to school. I was in, like, high school or something. And I, and I had to tell one of my friends, like, bro, yesterday I was watching The Notebook and, and I cried. It's okay to show your emotions. I appreciate you opening up with that, man. Thank you. SpongeBob, SquarePants. Who was your favorite character? SpongeBob or Plankton. <laughs> that was pretty good. The Bachelor. And it's really a show that women love to watch mm-hmm. but I watched it because my boy Colt was on there and I played ball with Colt at the Chargers originally for a year so I had to support him and oh, I was interested to see how he was okay. going to do okay so here we go with the justifications here we go with the justifications I gotta put it out there I gotta put it out there drop a comment give some feedback some constructive criticism let's know how we can improve how can we get better because we are always in the endless pursuit of high quality content it's your boy, B-Scar, and we, we out. Now, Bradley Roby, don't you ever say you're embarrassed to watch SpongeBob. It's one of the greatest TV shows known to mankind. Signed, My Two Kids. Love SpongeBob. I love that he did Plankton. What you can't see, because you're just listening, 
is he did the little hands like Plankton does. If you ever watch SpongeBob, you know what Plankton is. You know what Plankton does. Bradley did that perfectly. It was absolutely fantastic. All right. It's time for a little Texans player audio jukebox. All right. A lot of locker room time over the last couple of days, and the guys were asked a number of different questions. And we're going to start with Jonathan Joseph. And what word comes to mind when he thinks of Lamar Jackson? Dynamic. Um, he's obviously as dynamic, dynamic as they come in this league. He's a player I've seen in a long time. Um, I haven't seen many guys do that with their football in the hand playing the quarterback position. So it's a big, tough task for us. But obviously as a team, you know, we prepare each and every week, you know, for different guys. And this week, you know, it's going to be a big challenge. But I think we're more than ready. Honestly, it's been impressive. You know, it'll be my last time raving about him a little bit. But, you know, it's fun to watch, obviously, coming in in college. You know, he took a lot of criticism. He wasn't made to get it done at this level. And I think um, Harbaugh and those guys over there have done a fine job of utilizing his skill set. Obviously, you got to tip your hat to him from being tough enough to run in this league and take hits and, you know, get his team to where they're at right now. But, J. Joe, everybody knows about Lamar Jackson do they have anybody else on offense? That's a lot because obviously they got those running backs there, you know, leaded by Ingram. They got tight ends. They got wide outs. They got speed at those positions also. So as much as you like to just key on Jackson, you know, if you pay too much attention to him, he got other guys that can beat you as well. Carlos Hyde's had a ton of success for the Texans this year. What's been the secret? Coach DB, my offensive line, Coach OB, Coach Tim, pretty much the whole offense. You know, everybody just believing in me, giving me a chance, you know, to – you know, play my game and, you know, uh, just do what I do best here. Zach Cunningham, I think, is stringing together one of the better seasons for an inside linebacker in the AFC. He is the man in the middle alongside Bernard McKinney. But around him, in that secondary in particular, they've had to add some new players recently. And this week, it was Vernon Hargraves. What's the key to making sure that gets done properly? It's with, you know, every guy that comes in, just getting them in the system, making sure that I mean, we're communicating with them. You know, helping them to ease into it, you know, you know just building that uh, relationship with them. Let's close with Deshaun Watson, who has some thoughts on Lamar Jackson, someone he's very close to. I'm a proud quarterback, proud friend. Um, you know, just, you know, all the criticism he was getting when he was coming out. Um, he's definitely a guy that I've always encouraged and, you know, talked to in the offseason. And, you know, always been since, you know, college days, you know, when we played against each other, I've always been friends with him. So he's a guy that's been, you know, doing with everything that everyone that's all the naysayers have, you know, said that he couldn't do and uh, even more. So, you know, his career is very, very bright and he's going to continue to do great things. All right, there's a little taste of Texans player audio jukebox. Now it's time for the final word with Drew Doherty. Each and every Friday, the last thing you hear from this show is Drew Doherty sitting down with one of your favorite Texans. And this week, it is rookie Titus Howard. Let's talk about that rookie season. How much have you learned in the last two months? How different a player are you from game one, week one, to now? Totally different. Uh, each week, uh, you just learn new things. You learn different, going against different players, uh, different schemes for different teams. So it just makes you a better player in an overall perspective because you're learning more and more about the game each and every week. What did you learn about yourself over the bye week? Because it's a time for relaxation, a time for rejuvenation, but that wasn't all the things that you did, was it? No, it, it was it was more about, you know, just tuning in on your body, you know, giving your, you know, give your body a chance to rest and recovery. Watching a little extra film, looking at yourself, seeing what you might need to, you know, work on for the second half of the season. But also, like you say, you know, just enjoying yourself, being relaxing, uh, you know, just trying to sit back and chill, you know, take your mind off football some and, just, you know, be yourself for, uh, you know, a week, 
knowing that after that week over, it's back to football. Yeah. So how are you feeling after the week that you just went through uh, as far as the bye goes? You missed some time with the injury, but you played before the bye. Then you get the week off. Physically, how are you? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good, actually. Uh, the bye kind of helped me out a lot. Uh, it gave me a chance to, you know, sit back, do, you know, some extra recovery time. And just really just, like I said, I missed some time before the break. And uh, the bye week came, gave me, like, an extra week, you know, just make sure my body in the best position it can be for the second half of the season. How fulfilling was it to be able to come back from the injury, play the way you guys played? I mean, it's not often that you beat a team by 23 points in the NFL. How good did it feel to come back and be a part of that that winning effort? Great, man. I was, you know, so excited that I got a chance, you know, to play in that game, just to be there and play for my teammates, you know, play for the organization and get a win over in London. It was great, man, and kind of gave us, you know, me momentum for the second half of the season. Let me know I came back from an injury and, you know, fought the odds, you know, uh, thought that was going to be out longer than I was expected. But I came back in time, you know, to help my team get a win. And just so that long playing ride back made it a lot easier yeah. with a win. A long, happy playing ride back, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, you just brought up the word momentum, and I think that's that's key because over the last five games, Deshaun Watson's been sacked just seven times. Now, there are many things that go into pass protection. A lot of it's the offensive line, but there are many other factors in there. Mm -hmm. What have you guys been doing lately, offensive line-wise? It's been so successful, so good. Uh, Really just uh, straining, like, to finish here. A lot of times, man, if you realize when guys get sacked because, you know, guys stop on the play. Coach Dale stresses us, you know, strain to finish and, you know, just tuning in to each play, taking it one play at a time and not – if you mess up the play before, don't dwell on it. You know, every play is a new play. And just playing hard, man, and just knowing that we got a great quarterback in Deshaun. And if we can protect him, you know, he's going to take us a long way. I imagine it is a little bit tiring having to block for those extra few seconds, but is it all the more rewarding when you get to watch the film the next couple days and you see some some of the miraculous stuff that he did that you guys were able to allow him uh, that, that time for? Oh, yeah, of course, man. Just like the play when uh, we was playing the Raiders and he got kicked in the eye and he fixes his helmet and all that and still threw a touchdown pass. Plays like that, that you look at him and like, if I can just <laughs> give him more time and he making plays like that and we didn't give him time, like I said, it's, it's no measurement of how far he can take us. As a former quarterback yourself, is is it kind of just mind-blowing? I Because mean, I imagine you made great plays when you were in high school, but I don't know that you were making plays like that. And I don't have any, any tape <laughs> of what you did way back when, but you can appreciate that a little bit more, can't you? Oh, yeah, I'm very appreciative. And, uh, like, me playing quarterback kind of, like, lets me know how Deshaun feels, like, when getting sacked. And, yeah. you know, just being back in Atlanta, uh, had that feeling, like, are these guys going to be able to protect me this play? Do I got to worry about, you know, this guy coming from a blind side or this side? Mm-hmm. So uh, it made me work a little extra harder for him because I've been in that position before. So I don't like to, you know, let him get hit. All season long, Texans have been one of the four or five best running teams in the NFL. You've you know, you're in that top five category as far as yards per game. How how much pride do you guys as an offensive line take in that in run blocking and you know clearing these holes for Duke for Carlos Hyde especially? Yeah, we we come in each game with a mindset that we can run the ball on anyone. Uh, you know, just it's, it's all like I said, it's a mindset. If you can come in and you can establish a run game, it's only going to open up the passing game. If you can't run the ball, they're just going to sit back and can't pass the ball. So we come in each game with a dirty, nasty attitude and say, hey. We want to run the ball, so we might won't have to pass the ball. Because mm-hmm. if we can run the ball all game, we can run the ball, score, and then won't have to be in long third downs when we had to pass the ball. And that's when everybody coming all those crazy blitzes and stuff, and it's hard to protect because mm-hmm. they're blitzing so many people. So our mindset every game is, you know, we want to establish a run, 
and that starts up front. So we got good, you know, older guys like Laramie, Zach, and Nick, you know, who they talk talk to me and Max. You know, they just help us throughout the week on like what we're looking for in these guys and watching extra film and after practice, what can we do to be better and be prepared for the game, the upcoming game, and that's helped us each get better each and every week. Well, let's talk about this upcoming game. What is the challenge in front of you guys with this Baltimore Ravens front seven? How good are they, and, and what sort of challenges do they pose? Oh, uh, yeah, they're, they're, that's a big pretty uh, big front. It's a very talented defense, one of the best defenses in the NFL. Challenge, you know, is just to like establish a run and protect the shine. That's, yeah. our, that's our job. Each and every week, establish a run, protect, uh, protect the shine. It doesn't change for anyone. We treat everyone the same because – this is the NFL. Everyone's good. We're going to establish a run, you know, protect the shine, and let's see where that takes us. Pretty simple uh, recipe for success, huh? Yes, sir. Establish a run, protect the shine. There you go. One last thing. What's it like being a rookie and being a starter up front with a fellow rookie, fellow starter, and Max Sharp? And you guys are kind of always going to be linked because you were taking first first round, he was taking in the second round. Great. You know, me knowing Max is over there, you just, you know, we, we, hold, we, like, we challenge each other, like, to, to play at a high level. Every week, I help him out. He helps me out. We was roommates all through training camp. If it's something I didn't know or a technique that I didn't know, he would show me. If it was film that I needed help watching, then he understood it better than me. He would help me or I would help him and vice versa. Uh, so us coming in together as rookies and both of us starting together, you know, it's kind of we both feed off each other's energy. And like I said, we got some great veterans in the room who, you know, help us out and, you know, they teach us all their ropes and mm-hmm. And stuff. So I feel like we got a group, you know, that can play get, play together for a long time, and you know, help this team win a lot of football games. All right, we hope one of those wins comes on Sunday against the Baltimore Ravens. Titus Howard, thanks so much for the time. Best of luck in Baltimore. Best of luck the rest of this season. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. That man right there, Titus Howard, has made a significant impact on this offensive line. Moving over to the right tackle spot, he's played a little left guard. He's played some right tackle, and he's locked in on that right tackle position opposite Laramie Tunsil, and hopefully. Those two will be in the lineup ready to roll on Sunday for one of the bigger regular season games the Texans have had in quite some time. And that, I, I've kind of downplayed it all week. I've heard it on Sports Talk Radio. I've heard the guys on 610 talk about it this week. I read it. Uh, I read it on social media talking about how big this one is. And you can't treat it like that. It's just the next team on the schedule. But we all know how big it is. The players know. They see Lamar Jackson on the other side. They know the Ravens are 7-2. and two. There are only two games this week of team, uh, with both teams with winning records. And the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Patriots, and the Texans are all got this round robin. And right now, the Ravens are 1-1, one one, having lost to the Chiefs but beat the Patriots. The Texans are 1-0, oh, having beaten the Chiefs with the Ravens and Patriots still left to go. You can make a significant statement. There are a lot of people that think the Texans will go win. They'll think, oh, they'll play it close. No, it's time to go up there. Maybe not shock the world, but make a statement. That statement starts at noon on Sunday, 1 o'clock in Baltimore. We'll see you then, everybody. Huge thanks to all who participated on the show tonight. Thank you so much to my guys back at 610. Appreciate you guys. And, of course, all you listeners out there, you are the very best. We'll see you on Sunday. Thank you so much, and as always, go Texans.